No sin is so great, no bitterness so deep, that God's grace cannot transform the heart and rewrite the story. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Grace is hard for us to understand sometimes. It doesn't make sense and it's really not fair. In reality, nothing is more difficult to explain than God's grace. Maybe the best way is just to experience it. Join us as we explore that experience. All right, good morning. Hey, let's give it up for the worship team. Come on. I know we, uh, we do that a lot, but they deserve it. But specifically this morning, just about a few minutes before the service, I found out that Mandy Pinto uh, was supposed to be leading us. And on her way here, uh, she had a church call and asked and begged for her help because uh, their leader went down. And so Tiana just stepped in and did such an amazing job. I think so blessed to have a, a team like this. So I, I just want to jump right into it. We started a brand new series uh, a few weeks ago called Grace. Can we say Grace? Grace. Let's say it again. Grace. Let's say it again. Grace. I need, I just honestly believe uh, that we should be saying grace all the time in our head because so many of us are living the opposite of that. And that's why I think it's been important to dedicate five weeks to learning about grace. Now, here's the honest truth. I uh, became a Christian at 18 and I might be 50 something. And uh, I feel like uh, I've shared this before that grace, every time I've caught it, it's like a grease pig. It just slips out of my hand. And I, I, I gave up a few years ago, and I said, here's the reality. I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning about grace till the day I die. And, and so I pray that this has just been a journey for you and that you grow in your understanding of grace. I want to uh, just let you know that the series is actually called Grace is Greater, and some of the highlights about grace that I want to uh, start off with is grace is an undeserved gift. That's my working definition. It's an undeserved gra- uh, gift. So part of the problem is we, even in Christianity, think we've got to earn this. We've got to be obedient in so many ways, and then, then we get the grace. I want to tell you right here and now, you can work your tails off being just like Jesus to the day you die, and you still are not good enough without the grace of God. And so grace is a gift that is un deserved, and it's given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. So grace is powerful enough to erase our guilt. Grace is big enough to cover our shame. Grace is real enough to heal our relationships. Did you hear that? Grace is, grace is, Grace is real enough to heal our relationships. Grace is strong enough to hold you up when you're weak. Does that sound good? Amen? Grace is sweet enough to cure your bitterness. Can I hear an amen? Grace is beautiful enough to redeem your brokenness. Grace explained is necessary, but grace experienced is essential. Grace explained is necessary, but grace experienced is essential. That's my heart. That's Pastor John's heart. Not that we just get all the information of grace and we hear cute stories and sad stories and all the stories in between, but if we only know about grace but don't experience it, the devil's won. So our prayer is that we would experience God's grace. Let's pray. God, especially with today's topic, we claim 
that grace is greater than regret. That redemption is greater than regret. God, it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't make sense. But I also fall on this whole idea of scripture that says our thoughts aren't like your thoughts. So thank you, God, that we get to keep growing in our understanding of grace. And my prayer, as I look around this room, is that we would not just hear, but that we would believe and that we would experience your grace like never before. And may I and we be as bold to pray that one person, at least one person's life will be changed in a crazy good way because they've learned that your grace is greater than regret. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. And to all of you online, we're so glad that you're here. I was one of you last week. I was on vacation with my family, and uh, 10.30, got my little tablet, opened it up, went to the church website, clicked live, and there I was with a bunch of our people that are still fellowshipping online. Let's say hi to them. Hello, hello, hello. There's a big, there's a great amount of them. And so we're glad that you are joining us and thankful for our team, our sound, our lighting, our video, and all that. Do that to make that happen. So I want to jump right into our message. If you're taking notes, write down this. Number one, regret. Okay, regret. Write that word down. Ken Eidelman is is an author and a pastor. Uh, He wrote a book called Grace is Greater, and this is our number one resource. And then that book is a a secondary resource uh, that stimulates some thoughts. And uh, one of the things that uh, Ken says is this, the grip of regret can be more than demoralizing. It could be paralyzing. We can't seem to move forward because we obsess over something that has already happened, something that we can't unwound or undone, that can't be unwound or undone. Can you relate to that? Can you identify with that statement? Uh, here's, here's another thing that I, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of boil down regret into this statement. Regret tends to focus on a specific moment, a time and a place where you did or you didn't do something. And now you have to live with what? The consequences. I don't need to talk about regret much, right? I, I think we understand it. And, and I was going to make the statement, we all have regrets, but I, I think maybe there's some people out there that just don't even have enough self-awareness that they have no regrets, you know? Um, but I think most of us can relate to this idea of regrets. You know, uh, the statements like, oh, I wish uh, that hadn't happened, or oh, I wish I could go back in time. I wish I didn't say that, or I wish I did say that. I wish I would have said something differently. So here's my question. Do you have regrets? And and I I mean like peel back kind of regrets, not like I shouldn't have ordered that chili cheese dog last night. Regret. But there's those ones that you're like, ugh. So you can imagine I'm I'm, I'm writing this sermon and I'm like, I have to answer that, that, that question of myself. And honestly, I didn't want it. Like, regrets are kind of like in my life, it's like a box that's tucked away in the heart, but I don't want to open it. Can you identify with that? And I see heads going like this. And yet some of you, it's like, that's the fuel that gets you going every day. It's like you just live, you know, with it in, in front of you. But I, 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 um, I want to get very vulnerable 
um, with you. Um, when it talks, when, when we talk about regrets. So when I was thinking about this, um, I have regrets all over the map. Um, and I would say I don't live as one that has a lot of regrets compared to what, you know, I've seen others, but it don't matter. But I felt like one, I felt like most of my regrets, most, not all, most of my regrets landed with this. <laughs> Let me explain. My regrets are I said something I wish I could have taken back. Do any of you have those? And then my regrets also have to do with the mouth in this way. I wish I would have said something. Does that make sense? So my regrets are, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. And then my other part of that is I wish I would have said that. So, getting personal. Um, hmm. It was a little over eight years ago, we held my mom's memorial service right here in this room. And um, it's just my sister and I. And um, the only two kids that she had. And, and, and we had made a deal before the, the, the service. Like, I was not going to get up and speak. Pastor Glenn and Pastor John were going to lead. And um, I, just, I just knew I couldn't. But my sister and I made this deal. She's got a beautiful voice. And I was like, Krista, if you get up and sing, then I'll get up and speak. But being the tough man that I am, it all fell on her shoulders, whether she sang first. Sure enough, she had the courage that day. She got up here and she sang, and so I got up and sang. And it was, it was a great service to honor my mom's life. So the majority of people went over to the connecting place to get, of course, Cavarettas, right? That's what you do. They're good Italians. But, you know, others made their way down and said, you know, their, 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 their thoughts. and Very encouraging, very thoughtful, very loving. And this one lady uh, was a longtime friend of my mom's. And um, I'm literally right there. And she walked up and was like, hi, and gave her a hug. And she says, oh, I, I'm so sorry about your mom. And I'm, okay, thank you. And she goes, I'm so happy that she now has peace. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, me too. You know, crazy battle with cancer. Then she followed it up with these words. She goes, yeah, now she won't have to live in the guilt and the shame and the regret of divorcing your dad anymore. That happened right there. Like, if you could see, I got goosebumps still. Because I still haven't figured that all out. Um, if you want a, I'm going to shoot straight. If you want a definition of stupidity, that was that lady in that moment. Unbelievable. But by the grace of God, I just sit, stood there, heard it, and walked away. Went on and did all the other stuff. Later that night, I'm laying my head on the pillow. And I'm like, I had no idea that my mom was living with that. And here's, here's the regret. The regret was, people, even today, still ask me, why did your parents get divorced? And my answer is always, I don't know. And nine out of ten are blown away by that. They're like, 
because they divorced when I was two years old. They're like, you don't know? How come you don't know? And here's my answer, because I don't want to know. Like, I was two years old. What, what, what is that going to do to help me? Now, I promise you this, and I, I think my sister actually watches this. Should, I'm sure my sister knows. I'm sure she knows the answer to that. I, I still don't need to know the answer. But here's the regret. Still hard. Um, the regret is that my mom lived with that for, I don't know, 40 years? And just because I didn't want to know didn't mean as an adult I couldn't have given her an ear for her to share so that I, in turn, could have said, Mom, it's okay. And the regret is I think that if I could have done that, maybe she didn't have to live her last years or decades on this earth with that regret. Does that make sense? Regret could be crazy paralyzing, can it? It could really imprison us. But here's what I want to tell you. Grace is greater than regret. We all have them, whether we like to admit it or not. So the grip that Kyle Eidelman says, the grip of regret could be more demoralizing. It, it, could be, it, it, could, it could be paralyzing. We can't seem to move forward because we obsess over something that has already happened, something that can't be unwound or undone. So what do we do? Number two point of today's message, write this down, regret in the Bible. Regret in the Bible. There's stories I could share, but there's one that uh, if you've grown up in the church, is very familiar, but I don't think we've ever spoken from this perspective. I know I haven't as a pastor. It's found in Matthew chapter 26. It's the final week of Jesus' life here on this earth. He's invested. He picked 12 people, 12 men to invest his life in. They walked with him. They slept. They talked. They ate. They prayed. They fasted. They did all kinds of stuff. I even believe they probably laughed around a campfire. But this is coming to the end of Jesus' life. And in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is what? Jesus, the soul is what? His soul, the son of God, all authority and all the power. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me, he says. Going a little farther, he fell down on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but what? But as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what, church? The flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken, unless I drink it, may your will what? May your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more time and prayed a third, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? 
Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hounds of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, one of the disciples, one of the men that Jesus was pouring his life into, hmm, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and, and, and clubs and sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a, a, a signal with them. The one I kiss, the one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi. And then he what? He kissed him. Now, I, I've preached this. I've, I've read it. I've heard it preached a ton of times. This is the first time ever I just actually stopped because I get so caught in the betrayal and the arrest. Like Judas actually went up to Jesus and kissed him on the cheek. That's crazy. That's crazy. Jesus replied, and what's crazier is Jesus, look it, do what you came for, friend. Oh, Jesus is so much better than me. (laughs) Understatement of the year, amen? Right? Come, do what you came for, friend. Well, then the men stepped forward. Jesus, uh, 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 they seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. That's a little random. But you see, as I read through the filter of regret, this story, I saw a few things. As Jesus was nearing the end of his life, his heart was heavy. Overwhelmed with sorrow is what scripture says. He asked for help and they fell asleep. Could that be regret? All 12 of the disciples, it's like, man, he did everything for us and we couldn't even stay awake. There's regret there. How about Jesus or Judas' betrayal of Jesus? Could that be regret? Could there be regret in that? Yes. And how about good old Peter cutting off someone's ear? Is it possible that there was regret there also? Well, you continue reading this story. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, check this out. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before, Jesus said this to Peter, remember this? Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and what was his response? What was Peter's response? He wept bitterly. So we have two men that have done wrong. Two men that have betrayed Jesus. They've quote unquote committed the same sin. Are we in agreement? 
They've both messed up. And both of them were sorrowful. See, if you read Matthew chapter 27, verse 1, it says, early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plan on how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, right, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with what? He was seized with remorse. And he returned the 30 pieces of silver, which would be a dollar $197.40, some would say. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood, Judas said. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. You see, both Peter and Judas are filled with remorse, aren't they? I've just read passages. One wept bitterly, and one one confessed his sin, and he actually gave back the money. But they had two different responses to their regrets. They had two different responses to the remorse. You know, it's interesting. Peter did the very thing he said he would never do. Because what we didn't read is Jesus called him out earlier and says, hey, you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's response was, oh, never. If you've been around West Valley long enough and heard me preach uh, enough, I've always said what? Never say never. Never say never. Never say, you could always have the intention of never doing whatever it is that you're going to say you're never going to do, but never say never. Peter said, never will I do this, and then he did it three times. Judas had regret, Peter had regret. And you fast forward to 2022, we have regret in his book, again, um, Grace is Greater. I reminded you that not only is Kyle Adam an, an author, but he's a pastor, Great church out in Kentucky. Little church, I think it's like 30,000 people. Called <laughs> a great preacher and leader, Bob Russell. But in his book, he gives some examples of things he's heard over the years or maybe even some regrets. And I want to share some of those. Um, again, these are just examples of real regrets people have had. I regret when you were a baby and I was 18 that my boyfriend was violent and I was too scared to stand up for you and me, and they took you away. That was 20 years ago, and I think about you every day, every day. Another regret. I regret complaining about us walking too slowly and you leaning on me for balance. It was so much harder for you being handicapped. I was just a kid, and I'm sorry, Mom. I regret that I never told you, kids, I love you when you were growing up. I regret that, for some reason, I still don't have the ability to say those words. I regret that I was a self-centered mom who didn't let you help me in the kitchen because I didn't want it to get messy. I regret giving my heart when all you wanted was my body. I regret that I never saved any money and I'll never be able to retire. 
I regret that I never told you how I felt. I regret that I didn't fight for us. I regret how much time I spend complaining and being critical. If there's one thing we all have in common, it's regrets. Maybe you found yourself in some of those examples, or you could add a book to those examples. So that's, that's, the, that's the reality. That's the negative part of this message. Let's transfer to the positive. Taking notes, write down number three. Regrets should lead to remorse. Regrets should lead to remorse. How do we get to this grace is greater than regrets? How do we get to redeemed is greater than regrets? Second Corinthians chapter seven, uh, seven, Second Corinthians chapter seven, it says, even in verse eight, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Paul says, though I regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yes, now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what, church? Because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly, here it is, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings what, church? Repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to what? Salvation, and salvation leaves no, salvation leaves no, no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what ignition, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Paul is giving us a beautiful picture of how we can see that grace is greater than regret, how redeemed is greater than regret. And here's where, where, here's where um, some have challenged me and some have gone uh, uh, with, and it's healthy discussions, but I, I, I have, what I've found is people that don't like to hear messages on grace, they want to hear the legalistic part of it. They want to hear about how bad we are. They want to hear about how sin is so awful. They want to hear about how much we've got to change and how much we need to be more like Christ. And, and there's truth to that. And then this side over here, grace is all, oh, Jesus died on the cross and oh, we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus and oh, everything's wonderful and I could just keep living my life. Both sides of those extremes are wrong. The Bible says in John chapter one that Jesus came filled with grace and truth. He didn't come filled with 50% grace, 50% truth. He came filled with 100% grace and 100% truth. And so any kind of imbalance of this understanding is wrong, but the person that's the legalist always wants to hear about how we have to change and how we have to be law-abiding and how we have to do everything right, and that's where we fall away from the grace, and we say it's because we've done all these good things to be like Jesus that we get to go to heaven, and that's baloney. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what happens is, if we truly understand grace, a gift given to us, undeserved, the cross, if we truly understand that that was given for us, then that becomes the motivation to be like Christ. Not because all these rules say we have to. Does that make sense? I might care about this topic a little bit. And Paul says it this way. 
Because the third point is regrets should lead to remorse. And it's not just remorse. Because the truth is there's two kinds of remorse according to this. There's worldly remorse and there's godly remorse, right? Worldly remorse says, I'm sorry I got caught. And it leads to death. Godly remorse leads to salvation, which leads to repentance, which leads to change. Amen? So when I understand the grace of God, I don't have to live in regret. The could-haves, the would-haves, and the should-haves. But I get to live in the, oh my gosh, grace is amazing. And I'm set free. So now what am I going to do with that freedom? And Paul says in Romans 6, I think it's 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We've died to it. Died to it. How can we live in it any longer? So this is exciting, my friends. But instead of remorse, what happens uh, with our regrets, our human nature avoids remorse. Would you agree with that? Our human nature, for the most part, avoids remorse. We tend to, and here's some of the human things that we tend to, we tend to rationalize. Instead of having godly sorrow, we tend to rationalize. And what does that mean? Eh, it wasn't that bad. Um, Could have been worse. Or it's just who I am. A second way is to justify it by blaming everybody else, right? My poop don't stink. Everybody else does, you know? And I, I, you know, this wouldn't have happened if Charlie didn't help me lead me this way or Susie didn't, you know, right? It's everybody else's fault but ours. Boy, I see that in marriage a lot. Comparison. <laughs> At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That doesn't lead us to remorse, does it? Just lead us to really a bad standard in which we're comparing ourselves to. Another way is distraction. We just stay busy. If we stay busy, then we don't have to deal with it, right? And then an intense way of this is what I call, um, or, or uh, is escapism. And that's, that's, that's an extreme. That's, uh, that's the hardcore version of distraction. The more pills I take, the better. The more stuff I shoot up into the veins, the better. The more drinking I do, the better. The more porn I look at, the better. The more hours I spend in the office, the better. Because then we don't have to deal with it. Right? Stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. And let Christ lift you up. Will you surrender the fact that you're screwed up and messed up and that you've done some things that are not right? Because if you could do that, then you're ready to receive the grace. And then the grace leads to remorse, repentance, that leads to change. And that's healthy. And all God's people said? Judas tried to make things right. This is what's heartbreaking. And if you read the story, um, he returned the money. He asked, you know, for forgiveness. And he still lived in the regret. And the Bible says that he went and hung himself. 
Peter committed the same sin. Peter had the same remorse. Peter had the same regret. But he didn't try and figure it all out himself. And then we read the ending of his story. If you look at um, John chapter 21, John chapter 21 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was so hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old and will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter will would glorify God. Then he said to him, then he said to him, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who betrayed Jesus, not one time, two times, three times, then Peter heard the words and saw the compassion, grace, and love in Jesus' eyes. He said what? Follow me. He didn't say, get out of here. You've screwed up. You've messed up. You're jacked up. You got to get out. I can't believe I did all this for you. I can't believe I poured into you and you did. Jesus just said, I got you. Come on, let's go. Brothers and sisters, I know, I know some of the regrets that are in this room. I've met with you. You've, you've been honest and you've been open and you've shared your heart. Some of you know some of mine outside of the one I shared. It could really mess us up, can it? But my prayer is that you would hear this message, not from me, but from God through his Holy Spirit. That you will see what you've done, acknowledge what you've done, not put it on everybody else, that you will have godly sorrow and not worldly sorrow and allow that repentance to lead to change and swim in the freedom and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, when I preached this first service right over where, about where... Um, John Hogue is sitting, my uncle sits. And today he sat there for probably the last time. Um, he finally retired and he's moving to, to Maui. Um, and uh, so my, I'm my mom's 100% Italian. She had three sisters and two brothers. Brothers, a little passive they probably had to be with the four crazy women, including my mom. And it was great. It's, uh, Italians' Christmases are wonderful, until they're not. And uh, they were wonderful for a season as a young kid, and then all of a sudden it was Christmas almost alone with just our family. And I come to find out the dynamics. The four sisters, it was who was talking to who when. None of you understand that, right? But literally, 
um, I just, I was in a culture of, uh, who am I allowed to talk to now? I mean, it really was really that. And it was just awful. But my uncle Casey was married to um, um, one of those sisters. And um, I will say this. There was a season of almost probably close to 20 years where I was not allowed to talk to my uncle because our, my mom and his wife weren't talking. I mean, none of my family, none of that side of the family was invited to my wedding because I couldn't upset my mom, right? Um, I have lots of regrets with that. But I want to share this because as I was preaching, I saw my uncle. You know, my uncle wasn't following Christ. And yet when my dad passed, especially our relationship was strong and I leaned into him. And I talked to him about becoming lead pastor here. And he says, Rob, you could do it. And eventually I did. And he goes, but if you, if you say yes to becoming lead pastor, I will be there every Sunday. Now remember, he didn't go to church. Every Sunday he sat right there. A year and a half ago, I got to baptize him. My Uncle Casey's life has changed, and it's been amazing. And as I was preaching, I'm, I kept looking over there. I'm like, look, and I'm going, I am so glad that regret did not keep our relationship in prison. He's one of the best things that I've got in my life. I wonder if you have some regrets. Maybe it's relationships, maybe it's work, maybe it's addictions, maybe it's whatever it is. Will you give it a chance to be set free? and see what God will do with that. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that redemption is greater than regret. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name. All God's people say. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.